One of the statements that Fergus uh, talked about uh, uh, and repeated over and over, he says, we are the church. Let's say that together. We are the church. And so I've put that as the title of my message here this morning, We Are the Church. And the subtitle is, I want to talk to you this morning about our oneness in Christ, that, that God has, has uh, gathered us together as a people, and that we are one in Christ, and, and how that's outlived, and how that's, uh, that's demonstrated on a, in, a, in our involvement through the connect uh, group level. Um, of course, many of you are aware that uh, in a couple of weeks' time, uh, we're beginning our second term of uh, connect groups, and uh, there will be an opportunity to join a small group and to embark on a, on a 10 to 12 week journey uh, with others. And uh, when those 12 weeks will be wrapped up again, uh, that will culminate in us having more friends. It'll culminate in us having deeper friendships. In fact, one of the things that we're finding now is that when small groups wrap up and we have a few weeks off uh, and we start again, that sometimes uh, people say, look, why don't you come with me and we'll join this connect group this particular term. And people are moving around together in groups now and, uh, and are deepening their uh, existing friendships. And others are saying, look, I'm just going to get into a brand new deal. I want to get to know new people. And, and it's one of the benefits that we're experiencing, that there will be more friends and deeper friendships. Also, we're trusting God that there will be more people finding salvation and finding God's purpose for their lives. And I'll come back to that in just a moment. Also, there will be increased knowledge of God and of His Word. And the Bible encourages that we do increase and, uh, and advance in the knowledge of God and in the knowledge of His Word. It means that we will find out His plan uh, for our lives and are able to demonstrate it and live it out. We find out everything that has been provided for us through Jesus' death on the cross and through His resurrection and all of these good things that, uh, that we need to get a hold of. And of course, part of that is too uh, that there will be greater spiritual growth. We are growing through our involvement in connect groups. We are advancing spiritually. And, uh, and it's been pointed out before that our connect group philosophy, our small group philosophy, works around the, the premise of that we have a period of stretch, 10 to 12 weeks. Uh, some, some of these terms are 10 weeks, some are 12 weeks. So we are, we are stretching. And then there's four to eight weeks, depending on which term we are talking about, of what we call release. It's... Uh, my wife's helping me too, Peter. <laughs> Isn't it great that our, the Lord made our wives help us and they're helping us? But right now, I'm not quite sure what you're talking about. So we'll come back to it later. <laughs> okay, so there's stretch and release. And we've had a time of release, a time of downtime. And it's about time for us to flex our spiritual muscle again and to contend for the salvation of other people and to contend for our spiritual advancement. And... Uh, it's been pointed out before that our connect groups are not just for existing Christians, though they're very suitable for that, but they're also very suitable for unchurched people to come on board and to get in there and to make new friends and, uh, and uh, while at the same, t same time uh, sort of advancing in their spiritual journey, uh, while at the same time finding out about God's plan for their lives. And so everybody's on a journey. Uh, we're not stagnant. We're all moving. And, uh, you know, some of us have crossed the line of faith. We've stepped into salvation. We've committed our lives to Christ. Others are still exploring, and that's perfectly okay. It's all part of the deal. So everybody's moving, but it is important that we are moving forward. And uh, we have set a goal earlier on this year, uh, talked about it as part of our Vision Sunday. And of course, the goal for 2011 is that one family each week is connected to Christ and to the Victory family. 
All right, so one family each week. And just last week, we had, uh, we had two families connected to Christ, uh, uh, just born again, and, uh, and uh, they're now on their way to heaven. I mean, how awesome is that? And, uh, but the deal, too, is that we're connecting people into the Victory Christian Center family so that people can actually learn about the goodness of God past and beyond them just getting saved and, uh, and growing in the things of the Lord and not remaining babies, but growing up, uh, maturing spiritually. And uh, this morning I would like to read uh, uh, this passage of Scripture here from the book of Revelation, chapter 5, verse 9. This is one of my favorite passages because it, it so describes uh, what God has done in our lives and what He wants to do. It says there that they sang a new song, saying, Lord, You are worthy to take the book and to break open its seals. For You were slain, and by Your sacrificial death You purchased back to God. Uh, I start again. You purchase people back to God out of every tribe, every language, every nation, and every race. There was a worship service going on in heaven. People were gathered together uh, uh, around the throne, and here was Jesus Christ, and people were singing that new song, and they were saying uh, exactly what it says here. They sang a new song saying, Lord, you're worthy to take the book. You're worthy to break open its seals because you were the one that was slain. You were the one that was crucified on the cross. And uh, it goes on to say, through your sacrificial death, you purchase people back to God. And uh, then it talks about, it says, out of every tribe, out of every language, out of every nation, and out of every race. And what you and I as the church need to recognize is that God has, has taken us out of for the purpose of placing us into. There's a definite plan that God has, and you and I need to understand that plan so, so we can aid that process with our decision-making, that we make the right choices and the right decisions to flow along with what God wants to do in each and every one of our lives. So again, God has called us out of, and if you have a pen in your hand, you can circle that uh, line there in, in your outline, out of for the purpose of placing us into. And in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 13, it tells us what God has placed us into. It says, some of us are Jews and some are Greeks. Some of us are slaves and some are free. But we were all baptized into one body through one spirit. And we were all made to share in the one spirit. So can you see what's happening here? God's taken us out of the world and he placed us into the body of Christ. Uh, placed us into the church. Church, body of Christ, same thing. Just different terms uh, communicating different facets of that particular truth there. And, uh, and as I said earlier on, everybody's on a journey. Uh, we're not completely part of the church until we commit our lives to Jesus Christ. We can visit the church, we can get around church people, but it is not until we commit our lives to Christ that we are taken out of the world and placed into the body of Christ. It happens through the born-again experience. It happens through us recognizing that we can't make heaven on our own merits, that we won't get there by just good deeds, and uh, we won't get there by just not living a bad life because God doesn't look so much as whether somebody lives a bad life or a good life. He's looking for Jesus Christ in people's lives, and that qualifies us to go to heaven. And in 1 John, uh, and let me rephrase that, 
read in, in John chapter 1, verse 12, and it's not in your outline, but it tells us that when Jesus Christ came into the world, uh, it says his own did not receive him. The Jewish nation, by and large, rejected Jesus. All right, even to this day, uh, that there is, uh, you know, an aspect of where, where a lot of them are still in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant. But then it says, to as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become sons of God. And when you receive Jesus Christ, you are, you are empowered, you are, you are changed uh, into, into somebody from in the world, into a son or a daughter of God. We join the family of God. We become born again. We are in the church. And the word church, again, uh, is, comes from the Greek word ecclesia. Um, and, you know, they use different terms like ecclesiastical or ecclesia and so forth. And that means to call forth uh, or to call out or summon forth. And, you know, when we proclaim the gospel, uh, we share the good news of Jesus' sacrificial death, his burial, and his resurrection. And that now he's offering salvation freely to all people. When we proclaim the truth, be that in a preaching type scenario to a group, group of people, or through a one-on-one -on -one type scenario, or through giving somebody a book, we are, as it were, helping God to summon people out of the world and to bring them into the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because ultimately, it is only born again people that go to heaven all right and that's why we are so if he, if once we are saved and it's suddenly wow it suddenly dawns on us it's like wow i'm saved and and, and other people need to get saved because i'm on my way, way to heaven and and i don't want to get there by myself we need to get other people on board with this deal and uh and that's one of the reasons why we've got this prayer, share, and care card. We write some of the people's names who we are praying for on there, and it reminds us that this is all about helping them uh, to become born again. We pray for them. We intercede for them. We're praying for the invasion of the Spirit into their lives, that God opens the eyes of their understanding, that God gives them ears to hear and a heart to receive so that they too can respond to the love of God. Called out, summoned forth. And so believers are called out and summoned forth to newness of life. Over in the book of Romans, it speaks to us about newness of life. So what that means is that from the moment we are called, we are called out and we have responded to the call, God expects us to live different lives to the way that we lived before. I don't know about you, but my life's changed a little since I've been born again. Like <laughs> I just couldn't carry on the way that I was carrying on. And I had to change. Uh, God's called us to newness of life where we begin to sanitize our lives. We begin to lop things off. We begin to change things. And we don't do it in our own strength. We do it with the strength of the Holy Spirit in our lives. All right. He's the one that empowers us to, to clean up our lives. And in fact, he's the one that cleans up our lives and we just flow with him. And what I would like to talk to you about in terms of that whole aspect of newness of life is that our church involvement, both at a, at a, at a celebration level, which is what we're doing right now, this is a celebration service, as well as in a small group level, and our connect groups are these small groups, they're really based on a proper understanding of the church, that we get a revelation of what the church is all about, that we get a revelation of what the body of Christ is all about. In fact, if you read through the New Testament, you will find that Paul the Apostle was the one that carried the revelation of the church. 
the Bible speaks of a mystery uh, in the New Testament. And uh, in the Old Testament, they didn't know about the church. They didn't know about the church age, which is what we're in right now. I mean, prophets had sort of glimpses of it, but they didn't understand the fullness. It was not until Paul the Apostle came along and he carried that revelation and he began to proclaim it wherever he went. He preached it, he wrote it. And we're still able to get back to the writings of Paul when he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to capture that very, that very uh, truth that, that God transferred into the heart of Paul the Apostle and wants to disseminate into every heart. I would suggest that not every believer has a revelation of the church. How do we know? When we have a revelation of the church, it changes our lives. It changes our relationship to the church and with the church, and it changes our lifestyle to the extent of that we want to get on board, we want to be involved, we want to be right in the middle of it rather than try to get away from it. Is that right? Okay, so let me talk to you about the church, the body of Christ, and... Uh, What's interesting is that, uh, you know, medical science, they study the body, the various functions of the body. And the study of the physical body is called anatomy. All right? Now, I'm not talking about a TV program. I'm talking about anatomy as in the study of the body. And, uh, and what that means is that, uh, that they study the different functions of the body. They talk about organs. They talk about various systems. Um, uh, the nervous system, digestive system, uh, the respiratory system, and different things. And, uh, and if we take that, that uh, understanding across into the spiritual body, the body of Christ, when we talk about the study of the body of Christ, we, we, it's, it's actually called ecclesiology. Uh, we're studying the body of Christ, not the physical body, but the body of Christ. And with that, we need to recognize that when we study the functions of a physical body, and uh, we've all got a physical body, if we haven't got one, we're not here. All right? <laughs> so that's what that means. You know, when people die, their physical body becomes unfit to, to, to live in, and they can't stay here. They've got to go. <laughs> all right? And uh, you and I as believers, we're helping people to prepare for that departure. So when they get to that jumping off point, they can go to heaven rather than to hell, and there ain't no third place. All right. Now, I know when I grew up in that church, they talked to us about purgatory. But purgatory is a great big fat lie. And reincarnation, by the way, is a great big fat lie as well. doesn't exist. The Bible tells us that it is appointed unto man to die once and then judgment. And it also tells us, for those of us that are born again, we have passed from judgment to life. There is no further judgment, because judgment in terms of God's judgment for the sin and for the breaking of the laws, all of that was laid on Jesus Christ, and that's why He died on the cross on our behalf. All right, that's what this is all about. And uh, so we are no longer to be judged, uh, because we've already, judgment has already been laid on Jesus Christ. So we need to be born again, and then we pass from, from judgment to life. And this whole aspect of understanding the physical body and understanding the, the functions of the body of Christ is, uh, is, is written in, in, in Paul's writings, uh, particularly in the book of Romans uh, and in Corinthians, uh, Ephesians. I guess it's everywhere scattered throughout. Uh, and I want to pick up one such passage here and read it to you from, from uh, the message translation. And as I said before, when we study the functions of the physical body, we learn about the functions of the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are the church 
Let me read to you from 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 12. It says, You can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. All right, so Paul the Apostle says, Look at your physical body. He says, Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. So can we, you see how we've got an analogy here. Paul uses the analogy of the physical body to convey to us a spiritual truth about the body of Christ, also called the church. By means of His one spirit, we all say goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots. But then we entered into a larger and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of his resurrected body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. That's what we did this morning in our time of praise and worship. We, as it were, you know, it uses that analogy of drinking. We receive the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and uh, do you know, once you're born again, you don't have to go to pubs and bars and, and drink of that spirit because we got a better spirit. All right. You know, that spirit makes you, the, the, the spirit that you receive in, in, in some of these places makes you feel good in the morning, uh, good at the time, but the next day you got a hangover. But when you drink of the Spirit of God, it, there's no hangover. It just doesn't, it doesn't sort of uh, go bad and sour on you and so so there you are <laughs> anyway <laughs> it says we've all come to drink the old labels we once used to identify ourselves labels like Jew or Greek slave or free are no longer useful we need something larger more comprehensive I want you to think about how all of this makes you more significant rather than less Sometimes people say, well, no, no, I don't want to lose my individuality. Uh, well, actually, when we get on board with something bigger than ourselves and become a, an integrated part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, it doesn't make us less significant. It makes us more significant because we've now entered into God's plan for our lives. I want you to think about, oh, I've already been there, a body uh, isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. What's Paul talking about? He's talking about the church. He's talking about us. Sometimes I'm, I'm amused. I, uh, I see cartoon drawings, and they've got this one cartoon of this guy that's got just a head and uh, arms and legs coming out of the, out of the head. There's no body. Uh, it's humorous, really. And if you, if you like, if you take away the arms and the legs, all you got is a head. Well, the Bible tells us that Christ is the head of the body, but there's got to be a body. All right? There's not just a head, there's got to be a body. And in fact, interesting, we've got passages of Scripture uh, galore where it says that we need to hold fast to the head. And uh, like, you know, the body that shouldn't get disconnected from the head. I mean, that wouldn't be a good situation, would it? <laughs> okay. And so, uh, anyway... Let me pick up on some of the key phrases, some of the key truths that we find in this passage of Scripture here. The first one is that our own body shows us God's plan regarding our involvement in the body of Christ. Uh, you can underline or circle that word involvement, all right? That's absolutely key. If we're not involved, then we're not living out God's plan for our lives. 
There are many parts in one body. There are limbs, organs, cells, yet still one body. All right, and that's hugely significant. There's only one body of Christ, by the way. There are two bodies of Christ. There's not a Catholic body and a Protestant body and a Pentecostal body and a Methodist body. It's only one body. And that body is made up of all born-again believers, regardless of the label on the church that's written on the outside. All right? Some of these things are just man-made things. Uh, but God knows who His people are. So there's one body. And as it says here, uh, many parts, yet one body. And it's exactly the same with the body uh, of Christ, which is, of course, His body. It goes on to say, we all say, say goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. Now, this, of course, is a paraphrase of uh, the New Testament. Um, Mr. Eugene uh, is it Peterson or whatever the translator is, he's just done a wonderful job in, in bringing the, the, the Scriptures to us in modern language. And it's talking there about the prior to being born again, it's really a piecemeal sort of a life. Uh, um, it's, uh, it's partial. Um, we, we're not really finding who we truly are, and we're not really finding true purpose in life until we are in Christ. Now, some people might say, well, I'm doing well, I'm doing all right, but it's not about doing well. It's about ultimately getting to heaven, and it's about being able to partake of some of the rewards that are waiting for us in heaven. All right? We're not talking about now. We're talking about eternity. It's like Fergus said, I'm talking about the future. All right? I like that. I'm talking about the future. Praise God. And so partial and piecemeal lives, we say goodbye to it. And then it says, we each used to independently call our own shots. Now, <laughs> call our own shots. We have some of these phrases, some of these sayings, some of these colloquial terms. And what it means for somebody, for somebody to call the shots is it means they are the boss. It means that, that they control their own destiny, their own affairs, their own what, what have you. Uh, in fact, uh, they tell me that uh, in, uh, in games where there's a court involved, like or, or some sort of a field like soccer, rugby to some extent, or sports, uh, tennis and so forth. They got these umpires. They got these people that are calling shots. And when somebody shoots a ball outside the courtyard, it's a foul. It's like, it's, it's no good. So they say, you look, need to do that shot again. All right. So somebody calls the shots. Um, the referee runs around and foul, you know, that's not acceptable, but that is. Now, we used to call our own shots before we got born again. We, like, run our own lives, and uh, so we thought. So we thought. But the Bible tells us, until such time that Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives, the devil is actually lording it over us. And the devil runs our lives and ruins people's lives and runs them down and gives them the run around and run around, run around and everything else. And it is not until we become born again that we're finding fulfillment. Uh, and by the way, there's no such thing as an independently lived life. Everybody is under somebody's influence. It's like Bob Dylan used to sing. He used to say, you got to serve somebody. How many of you remember that album? you got to serve somebody. When the man got born again uh, some years ago, they say that he just celebrated his 70th birthday. And I don't know where he's at today. But the man thoroughly got born again. And he came through in the messages that he began to sing as part of his songs. And he says, you got to serve somebody. And I'm asking you today, who are you serving? Because, in fact, 
I can't remember all the, uh, all the, uh, all the, uh, the lyrics there, but he said, if you're not serving the Lord, you're serving the devil. That's the bottom line, really. And he took that exactly out of Scripture. All right? You've got to serve somebody. And so who are we serving today? Who are we hooked up with? That's really the question. Uh, each of us used to call our own shots. But then it says, then we entered a large and integrated life, and now Jesus Christ has final say in everything. And uh, so we even understand in the whole aspect of computer, you know, the whole IT world, the computer world and everything, we know that certain programs uh, that could be Microsoft Office or other programs, they've got to have an operating system. You've got to have some operating system, otherwise the thing by itself is no good. The operating system could be Windows, it could be the Mac deal, but you've got to have an operating system. Well, we need an operating system in our lives. And there's only one operating system that gets us to heaven, and his name is Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. So I encourage you, if you haven't already hooked up with God through Jesus Christ, don't let another day pass. Get on board with what God has for you. Um, it says, uh, this is what we proclaimed. Um, and let me repeat that. Uh, we have entered a large and an integrated life, and now Jesus Christ has the final say in everything. That's what it means when we say, Lord Jesus, I make you my Lord. Lord means boss, all right? It means, it means leader. Uh, and yes, we sing the, the, the song, I'm a friend of God, but, but, but it's more than that. Uh, uh, some of us have friends, and if they tell us what to do, we wouldn't do it because, oh, come on, you're just one of my mates. Stop telling me what to do. But our friend God wants to tell us what to do because he knows what's best for us. All right? This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. We made a confession of faith. And we said, Jesus, you be the Lord and the Savior of my life. That's what that means. Then he goes on to say, each of us are now part of his resurrection body. And the old labels that we used to identify ourselves like Jew or Greek are no longer useful. All right. Now, these labels, they, they work well, and, and, and they have to work well when you're traveling. You need to have a, a passport which, which says that whether you're a Jew or a, a Gentile or a New Zealand or Australian or a Chinese or European or what, what have you, and it works in the world, in the world, the one that we have been called out of. But in the church, it doesn't matter what nationality uh, we are. It's, it's got no bearings on anything whatsoever. It, it, the, our ethnicity does not matter at all. All that matters is that we are born again and that we are in Christ Jesus. Let me say too that sometimes when people are more on about their ethnicity and about their deal and everything and they push their bearers so hard and you never hear them talking about Jesus Christ and about the church and about the Lord Jesus Christ and about the family of God, something is somewhere out of kilter somewhere. Because Paul tells us that uh, labels like Jew or Greek or New Zealand, Australia, European, Chinese, Asian, they, they're no longer useful as far as God's purposes are concerned in the church. Um, and uh, the Bible tells us that our citizenship is in heaven. That's what that means, all right? We're talking about our spirit. We're talking about the eternal part of us. And then it says we're all different, yet similar parts in his body arranged and functioning together. So, so let me tell you, 
with that little cartoon that I referred to before. Uh, you know, the body of Christ, Jesus Christ is the head. It's not that Jesus has got a couple of little legs sticking out somewhere and a couple of hands and trying to get by. There's a whole body, all right, with functioning parts, with legs and limbs and organs and s- systems and and nerves and uh, and cells and uh, you know they're finding now that that the whole for the whole body to work properly there needs to be cell to cell communication and uh, you know each one of us are a cell in the body of Christ and each of us make up a function a particular part that is so important and I'm saying all of that in the context of our connect groups and in the context of us being involved in the local church and being a part and bringing our function and recognizing our involvement being absolutely crucial towards the full functioning of the body of Christ. So it says there that once we were baptized into the body of Christ, we became one in Christ. We became singular in fellowship, and we became united in vision. And if we have a revelation of what the church is, and what it is supposed to be and how it is supposed to function. We absolutely have no problem with that. We, 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 we don't fight this process, but we aid it by getting on board. One in Christ speaks to us of, of a spiritual dynamic, and I'll refer to that just a bit later on again. But we became one in Christ spiritually. Um, uh, it doesn't mean that we threw away our passports and our own nationality. Uh, that's needful in the world. But in the church, it's, it, it doesn't do anything, all right? We became single in fellowship. That speaks to us of the relational part, where, where we are all related to one another and we relate to one another. And then finally, we united in vision, which speaks of the functional part. You know, if you've got a body that doesn't function, you've got a dead body. And let me tell you, the body of Christ is not dead. <laughs> and the reason why it's not dead is because every member uh, that is functioning is bringing a function. But I would suggest that the body of Christ, as of now, is still not fully functioning as God has intended because not every member is supplying their function. And uh, imagine if, uh, you know, there's different parts. You know, if, if, if one part would stop functioning, we could somehow adapt and adjust and carry on, but if the heart stops functioning, you've got a problem on your hand. Or if another major organ stops functioning, you've got a problem on your hand. Or if the eyes stop functioning, you've got a major, major impairment. Uh, or, if, or, if, or if the mouth, uh, if nobody preaches, then you're severely hamstrung. Do you hear what I'm saying? So the church, we, we are the church. And as Fergus told us, when we turn up, things begin to happen. But we've got to turn up. All right, we got to turn up. And uh, let me read to you from uh, Ephesians chapter 4. And all of that, I'm saying all of that, that when we organize our lives, we always subject, we always subject our present priorities and choices to the demands that are placed upon us by the Word, by the Scriptures, because the, the Bible has the revelation of the church and how we are now to live our lives in terms of newness of life. No longer like we did when we were in the world, we have been called out of all of that. And we are placed into the body of Christ. Ephesians 4.11 uh, says, He handed, this is speaking about Jesus Christ, He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor, teacher, to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work, working within the church, uh, within Christ's body, the church. 
So it tells us there that uh, before or when Jesus Christ ascended uh, to be in heaven until he returns to this earth, he gave gifts to men. speaks there about that those gifts amongst other gifts there's apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers we just had a prophet in this church two three weeks ago what did he come for he came to equip the saints he came to 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 as it says here to to train christ's followers in skilled servant work working within the church christ's body until we all moving rhythmically and easily with each other efficient and graceful in response to God's Son. Fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. And the good thing is that, you know, when Jesus was on this earth physically 2,000 years ago and he walked the shores of Galilee, he was like functioning fully, but he was only functioning in one place at one time because he was limited to his own physical body. But now that we've got born-again believers all around the world, Christ is everywhere in the sense of functioning. He's speaking. He is, uh, he's healing. He's, he's doing all of these things because the body of Christ is everywhere. All right, that's sort of the picture there. He says, no longer prolonged, I start again, no prolonged infancies among us, please. Infancy means when somebody's an infant and refuses to grow up, refuses to take responsibility, refuses to, be do, to do what they're told, refuses the, the, the message from God in regards to how we are now conducting our lives. No prolonged infancies among us, please. We will not, toler- will not tolerate babies in the woods. <laughs> Small children who are an easy mark for imposters. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and tell it in love, like Christ in everything. We take the lead from Christ, who is the very source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flows through us, nourishing us, so that we will grow up healthily in God, robust in love. So I like the, 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 the terminology that he talks about, that we are moving with one another rhythmically and easily. Like, you know, they've got these robots that they're teaching, you know, to walk, and it's just all a bit awkward. Uh, we ought not to move like robots awkwardly with one another, but we ought to get on with one another, be knit and tied together, and move like when you're moving from left to right in your body. It's like everything just flows together. There's like, uh, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing, but sometimes people that have had uh, uh, major, you know, accidents or something, and something has gone wrong, and there's, in some instances, sort of um, a partial damage to the brain somewhere, to the control center, which, by the way, is in the head, have you know that the, the Jesus Christ controls our lives? Uh, it's when there's damage there and people can't move properly and they have to learn to walk all over again. Like they get him up and it's like a little baby. Uh, he is now an adult learning to walk again. And in the beginning, everything is awkward and, and then they fall down or they have to, have to be held up. But eventually, they're starting to coordinate this deal and they're able to get it together. And next minute, they're away again. And so, uh, and praise God for that. So the whole aspect of the whole body moving rhythmically, uh, moving easily with one another. One of the messages that, uh, that uh, Fergus brought was about units in the house, that we, we, unity in the house is vital, uh, that we can flow together, that we can get on with one another, that we can sort out differences, that we can put aside uh, certain preferences, uh, uh, attitudes and actions that get in the way of flowing together with other people. 
it's all right. You know, people in the world, you know, they, they, they'd fight, they connive, they, they'd kill their own grandmother to get ahead in, in life and to make another buck. But in, in, in the church, that's not all right anymore. We're called to newness of life. For us, it's not about getting, getting ahead of somebody else and trampling over people just to get to our goal. We're here to function with one another. All right? And to choose somebody out and call them names or what have you. And I'm not referring to anything that I'm aware of. I'm, I'm just using a picture of the world of what's acceptable there. And, and, then, and then people blow their stack and, and, and then they come back and nobody ever says anything. In the church, we say, Sorry. I blew it. I was out of sorts. That was out of line. We, we, we are raised to newness of life. We, we learn to, 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 to live life under the direction of the true head, which is Jesus Christ. Let me read to you from the King James Version, the last verse there. It speaks there, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body, for the edifying of itself in love. Now, there's a whole lot of thoughts in there. Let me read it from the New Living Translation as well. It says that He, which is Christ, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Now, uh, I sort of thought about this and thought, okay, Paul tells us that if we look at our own body, we learn the, we get the revelation of the body of Christ. Now, I looked at my body. There's not a single part or member or limb in my body that's loosely connected. I can run along and I don't lose anything. I don't suddenly lose, lose something. Uh, all right. And neither do you, hopefully. <laughs> Okay, everything is tightly compacted together. And as I said earlier on, over in Colossians, there's a scripture that we're to hold fast to the head. So it is the body's responsibility to hold fast to the head rather than the head's responsibility to hold fast to the body. It's your responsibility to remain connected. All right? And we, we remain connected to the head and we remain connected to each other. And our connectedness, our connectedness to each other is our connectedness to the head. Because in all reality, we know that the leg is actually not attached to the, to the, to the head. It's attached to the body, to the trunk. And, and so as we are connected to one another, and sometimes people almost lose their connection in terms of their, con their living connection with Christ. And, and there's almost like a sense of the people just, you know, there's like a backsliding. But so long as we remain in the church and flow along, we will you find our connection again with Christ and, and not allow ourselves to get disconnected physically. There's like a trick in that. Uh, sometimes you see people and, uh, in, in, in the church, you know, they're under the radar, something goes on and there's attacks and stuff going on. But so long as we remain connected to the body, we will retain our connection to the head, which is Jesus Christ. So don't let the devil lie to you. Um, and, uh, and, and, and as he does, if the devil is a liar, that's what he does. So no such thing as a loosely connected member of my body or your body. Um, amputated members of our bodies die the moment they're cut off. 
just occasionally uh, watch a movie of, of some sort and you know some of these old gory movies of these war movies on, on ships and where they used to just you know, have these cannons and, and just you know fire these cannons at one another and downstairs they're laying out the operating table. It's just a bench and a saw and a block of wood. And how horrible is that? But the, the reality of what I'm trying to tell you, and I'm about to move on because I can see some of you, oh no, I'm passing out, you know. <laughs> it's, uh, the moment a, a, a member in our body is disconnected, amputated, it dies from that moment forward. And so don't get disconnected. Joined and knit together, the scripture says. It means organized compactly, joined closely together. And I would like to suggest to you that the fulfillment of this very scripture is hardly possible without each believer's involvement on a connect group level. All right, because celebration services are fantastic, and we say hi and bye on the way in and everything. It, this is not about fellowship today. This is about worshiping God. This is about participating in, in the worship song and, and to, excuse me, hear the preaching of the word, but in terms of fellowship and getting down into the relationship part where we are relationally connected with one another. It happens in connect groups and it happens in service teams where we are a part of some team somewhere serving the Lord with other people. Again, uh, I want to pick up on just some key phrases uh, and truths um, that we derive from this passage of scripture that we've just read. It basically means that each part does its own special work and helps the other parts to grow. And the, the question is, what is your special work? What, what is God graced you with? Because the Bible speaks of the manifold grace of God or of the multifaceted grace of God. Grace means gift. Grace means that we are empowered to provide a particular function. For example, my knee has the grace to be a knee. And my eye has got the grace to see. And my ear has got the grace to hear. What is your particular special function? What are you supplying to the workings of the body? Um, and uh, the progress, it says, of others is my responsibility. It's your responsibility. So what that means is that in the way that this is worded there, that, uh, that each one of us provides our special work, our special function, and it helps others to grow. And then people say, well, I, I don't need uh, to get into a connect group. They, they don't understand. All right? They have no revelation of the church. So, well, I don't need this. Well, it's not about only what you need, though you need it, by the way. You need it. But others need you. And you need others. I was just online uh, talk to, talking to my brother last night uh, via Skype and uh, just arranging I'll be spending, uh, I'll be going to Europe uh, in just a few weeks' time. And uh, as part of that trip, I'll be visiting my sister down in Switzerland. And so I know years ago, Switzerland, I required a visa to get in there. And, uh, and some of that can be a bit of a pain. But anyway, you just do what you have to do. And, uh, and I was just getting onto the uh, uh, government website in Switzerland to find out if any arrangements had changed with uh, travel restrictions and so forth. And I came across a phrase, which is the slogan of, the, of, of uh, Switzerland. It's one for all and all for one. And I thought, my, how good is that? You can take this thing, which is, uh, which is what they've got for the whole nation, and plonk it into the body of Christ and absolutely couldn't improve on that. One for all and all for one. And actually in New Zealand too, it should really be one for all and all for one. But we know, we know 
that there are people in society who are not for anybody except for themselves and hardly that. They're expecting all for, for them, but they're not for anybody. Um, now, of course, that raises a whole other subject that I'm not about to get into. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but in other words, we each supply a function. We all ought to be working or contributing. I'm not talking about people who can't. I'm talking about people who won't. And uh, we can't have that same attitude in the body of Christ and expecting, expect it to hum and to function uh, 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 fully as, as it should. All right, so each believer is responsible to affect growth in the lives of other believers. Growth of the body happens when every part does its share. Is that good news or what? What a privilege to be involved in the body of Christ. What an honor that God has called us out of and placed us into to provide a function. And sometimes it's as, it's as simple as turning up and being a part of uh, just, uh, you know, when each time when we come and we sing songs to God and the angels are gathering together, though we don't see them, we know they're there. And, uh, and you know, there's like an atmosphere. We're adding to the atmosphere. And, uh, and sometimes it's as simple as turning up and, and, and showing up. You know, as, as uh, Fergus says, we're the church. When we turn up, things begin to happen. But we've got to turn up. We can't say, oh, you guys get together. I'll be down there in a couple of months' time. Are we doing all right this morning? We're talking about the church. We're talking about getting involved uh, in, in, in every possible way. Uh, particularly this morning, we're talking about a, a connect group level that's starting up at, again where we can get on board and be a part of the answer and, and pray. For, and each time we pray when there's a prayer meeting and we pray for the lost and, and we pray for, for, for our city and our region and our nation, something begins to happen. Each time when another believer turns up and adds their agreement and if they do nothing else, though they should, but if they do nothing else but say amen at the prayers, of others, they're adding their agreement and it multiplies the power that is released. Very powerful. Very powerful. Yes, we got this opportunity to pray in Parliament. I mean, how awesome is that? Praying for the salvation of our parliamentarians and, and we're already now praying uh, uh, for the general elections coming up. It's all, all important stuff. Let me uh, quickly uh, head down uh, towards the end of the message here and quickly talk about uh, communion, the Lord's table, which bears out a similar truth. And again, it's part of Paul's revelation, part of the mystery that Paul brought. And, uh, you know, he says, The eye has not seen, the ear has not heard uh, about the things that God and the heart has not received, the things that God has prepared for those that love him. But then he went on to say, but God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. And he wrote that in, uh, in Corinthians. He wrote it in Romans. And that's what I'm talking to you about. It's part of the mystery of the church and part of the mystery of the body of Christ and, and the whole deal. 1 Corinthians 10, 15. Paul speaking, he says, I assume I'm addressing believers now who are mature. Draw your own conclusion. When we drink the cup of blessing, aren't we talking... Uh, I start again. Aren't we taking into ourselves the blood of the, the very life of Christ? Isn't it the same with the loaf of bread we break and eat? Don't we take into ourselves the body, the very life of Christ? Because there is one loaf, our manyness becomes oneness. Christ doesn't become fragmented in us, 
Rather, we become unified in Him. We don't reduce Christ to what we are. He raises us to what He is. All right, so it speaks there about communion. When we gather around, we participate in the Lord's table, and behold, what we call the emblems, which is the cup of juice, which represent the, the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed that our sins could be forgiven, and, the, and the, the piece of bread that represents the body of Jesus that was broken and, and damaged so that we could receive healing and wholeness and so forth. But there's a bigger picture there. Because communion, when it is shared, you know, you will find, you read the scriptures and Jesus Christ talks to his disciples about coming together to break bread. And to break bread means take one loaf and to break it and then to share it around. And that's the picture of communion, that though each one of us are having one piece uh, that we, you know, that we, we eat and is part of that, that covenant meal, though it's barely a token nowadays. Back then it was a whole meal that they used to share together. They used to call them agape feasts. They used to call them love feasts, where the believers would come together and share a whole meal. And that was communion time. They, didn't, they would not understand what we do today in terms of having a little tray and a little bowl and a couple of bits of bread and a little juice. As I say. I mean, it's all right, but unless we understand the bigger picture, you know, they used to get, to get together, have meals. And there was, when Jesus sat down to share the last supper with his disciples, there was one loaf. In fact, there was different loaves of bread, but the whole idea of breaking the one that was shared and it all signifies that those all individual pieces of bread, it's still one loaf. We're all individual members of the body of Christ, individual believers, but we're all part of the same loaf. We're all part of one body. And he says the, man, the manyness becomes oneness. If you're born again, my friend, you're a part of the church. And, and not only are you a part of the church and the overall universal church, the eternal church, but you're a part of a local church. And your local church needs you and it needs your function. And it could be as, as simple as it needs, it needs your tithe. If I can get right down to, to speaking about plain old money for, so that the church can function and operate and pay its bills and send out missionaries and, and buy radio uh, and TV slots to preach the gospel and uh, to send out printed materials and so forth. The church needs you. I remember when uh, John F. Kennedy um, came to power at a very crucial time in the history of America and, uh, and he coined a phrase that's used today. He says, don't ask what America can do for you. Ask what you can do for America. I thought that was very clever. Don't ask what the church can do for you. Ask what you can do for the church. Fergus brought us a very profound statement. He talked about intimacy with God. And people uh, look to the church for things that they can only get from God. And say, oh, these people don't meet my needs. Or there's no love in the church. <laughs> and I'm not saying that there was any such phrases or thing, but I'm just generally speaking. Don't ask what the church can do for you. Ask what you can do for the church. What is the function? What is the supply of the Spirit that you are delivering and that you're bringing to as the overall functioning? We need to get out of the mindset of the world and rise to a new level, to newness of life. So again, the communion table there speaks about the oneness in Christ. And I want to repeat what I said earlier on about when we were baptized in the body of Christ, we became one in Christ. 
And this, by the way, was God's doing. That was a work of the Spirit that, uh, that uh, God completely did. And when we said, yes, I receive you, Jesus, as the Lord of my life, he placed us into the body of Christ and made us one with every other believer, all connected up with the head. We cannot add to this. We can't make it any more like that or any less like that. You're either in the body of Christ or you're not. You're either born again or you're not. As I said, we're all on a journey, spiritually speaking, but the born-again experience is a one-time event that happens when we get to the place of where we cross the line of faith, we surrender our life to Jesus Christ. But we are also singular in vision, which speaks to our, of the whole relational aspect of one another. And this does happen uh, as a result of our efforts, where we open up our lives relationally. We make room for other people. Some of us are quite happy with our own company. And that's all right. But if we only always want our own company, something is severely wrong. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, it says, if a man isolates himself, he rages against all wisdom. We need other people. We need one another, and others need us. And furthermore, we're united in vision. Vision aspect speaks of the functional part. This happens again as a result of our own efforts. We choose to get on board with the vision of the house. We choose to contribute to the workings of the house by supplying our function. It is our own responsibility to find out what the vision of the house is, what the goals are of the house each year or each month or each time period, excuse me, and to lend our support, our prayer support, and our functional support, our financial support, our support into that whole deal so that there's forward movement in the church. And if we as a church, as a local church, are moving forward, and other local churches are moving forward and we are taking ground, then the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is taking ground in these last days. Finally, I close with one scripture in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. And very shortly, Viv's going to come up and talk to us about uh, what's involved in terms of uh, signing up for connect groups and how to get on board and, and so forth. It says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received. Uh, underline that word, each one. It's not just some of us, but each one. There are no redundant parts in our body. All right, it's interesting, you know, years ago they talked about having, you know, the tonsils taken out because, oh, the tonsils, who needs the tonsils? They're useless anyway. Well, of late they've learned that there's actually a function to the tonsils. All right, so there's no, no redundant members in our body. Every, every part supplies a function. I tell you, this whole anatomy thing, this whole study is like fascinating. It's like, wow, fascinating. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. And as I pointed out earlier on, that every one of us have been graced or gifted with a particular function, and God wants us to participate on a connect group level. Uh, God wants us to participate on a celebration level and to help other people grow spiritually and for us together to reach lost people for Christ so that they too can go to heaven. 